big shout out today to my friends at the Vancouver Island Works Project. They are sponsoring today's episode and they've also created a website for me at operationtraumarecovery.org. So kind of them and so generous. A fantastic company I invite you to go check out at viwproject.com. Their suite of services includes consulting, training, mentorship, web services, and digital marketing. So if you need a kick-ass website, go check them out. viwproject.com, Vancouver Island Works Project. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. And we're rolling live in studio with Bonnie Kaplan. Bonnie, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's way better in person than the video call. Yes, it certainly is. Because you had your microphone, who I remember was going back and forth. Oh. I could hear it rubbing on your shirt. I've solved that. Were you the one who pointed that out? I to probably me? did. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a, a soup Nazi yeah. with that. Hey! No, I use AirPods now. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, they're not too bad for, for the sound quality, but nothing beats in studio. That's right. You've been busy since we've spoken. Very busy. When was that? A year ago? It was pre-launch. Oh, so little, yeah, now we actually, the actually paperback. Bring, yeah, bring, bring it a little bit the, closer uh, to you. Sure, the paperback is out now, in fact, so it's about a year and a month. A year and a month. Since I would have talked to you. Hmm. Well, first of all, congrats on getting published, because maybe uh, you're one of the lucky ones that found an easy path to it, but typically you get 200 no's from publishers. 200. Before somebody says, "All right, I'll give, I'll take a crack at it," and that's how it is in the nonfiction world. But uh, I don't think you had quite two hundred. Well, I, I never went to a publisher. I went to an agent. I had a few no's from agents. Yeah. <laughs> but once I had an agent who really was excited about it, um, then um, it went to it was headed toward auction which is what happens with a lot of manuscripts. And we hadn't actually written the book yet. We just had a, we, I'm using the royal we because I have, in case your audience doesn't know it, I have a co-author, Dr. Julia Rutledge, who's originally a a Canadian, but is now at the University of Canterbury and Christchurch, New Zealand. And um, so we assumed that we would be going to auction and we had a publisher step in and say, we'll give you more than you expected as a, an advance, if you will not go to auction, we'll buy it. And that's how we ended up with Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And then they were absorbed by one of the big five, Harper Collins. So we ended up with one of the big five publishing houses. Kind of just happened. That is spectacular and rare. <laughs> so Probably. So rare, especially for your first book. Yes. You know, um, publishers, publishers like to know that... Um, because there's a million of them, million of them every year, so they, they like to know that you can actually write, and and they want to have some sort of idea that the market's going that way. Well, I think everybody recognized there was something unique about our book. We have to keep educating the general public. I, I still get asked, Bonnie, why did you write a book on nutrition? There are a gazillion books on nutrition. You know, how could this possibly be different? And we have to explain that to people. And then they say, oh, that's unique. That's different. You're going to have to bring it just even e- even a little bit closer to you. I feel like I'm shouting in my ears. Okay. Well, let me t- turn you down oh, here then. Oh, okay. You'll turn me there. Okay. Is that yeah. better? Yeah. Yeah. I have really... Good hearing. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Um, getting published is tough, and writing a book is tough. It's a lot of work. Uh, how many 
uh, how long did it take you to put all that together? Because it, it's uh, like an APA format kind of book yeah. where you've got all the source material. It's, it's all there. And that's no small feat. No, I, you know, this is going to sound strange to to you, Mark, maybe, but for us, writing the book was not hard. Remember that we had written many of the scientific articles that we were citing, not all. We were covering the world literature um, on nutrition and mental health, but we that's what you do if you're a scientist. You're writing all the time. You're writing grant applications. You're writing publications and I had, I think, become a good writer from that. And it was mostly in our heads already when Julie and I sat down to write across a million miles there, doing it all by internet. And so the writing was not really very lengthy. I found I would sit down. At one point, I was in a hotel room between a conference and having to go somewhere else, and I had this extra little window, so I stayed in the same place for an extra two or three days, and I just sat down at the desk and I'd write for 12 hours and barely remember to get up. You know, I was really, really excited about getting it down in book form for the general public. I had never written for the general public like that before. So um, that was that was not hard. It was so stimulating. I'll bet we had it done in about four months The hard part is once the book came out, and here we were in the middle of a pandemic, and and if you weren't studying viruses, um, all the publicity about the book that had been promised to us did not emerge because nobody wanted to hear from people talking about mental health initially or resilience initially. They just wanted to know how viruses work, and so we struggled and spent a lot of time promoting the book ourselves. And we're still doing that. And when people come to me for advice on publishing, I I tell them that if you want to make money on a book, which you don't, you don't make money on the book itself. It's everything around the book, but um, it's got to be your life. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to be like, this book is my business <laughs> and you get on every show you possibly can. And that's what you've been doing. Here I am on a holiday, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Here you are on a holiday Monday. <laughs> yes. But a door open, I walk through it. That's what I've done for my whole career. It's such important work that you're doing. So as you know, Operation Tango Romeo is an aggregate for healing resources. So anything that helps with uh, mental health injuries, PTSD, OSIs, I'm going down the rabbit hole, you know. Uh, I mean, I'll try not to do anything that's just silly or, or foolish, but there is so much out there, I've discovered, that is not being implemented by the mainstream. It just isn't. And the efficacy of mental health treatment is incredibly low. It's between 12 and 16% for PTSD. 12 to 16% efficacy. That is horrific. It is. You know, and uh, there, of course there has to be a better, better mousetrap, and I've probably found five of them so far. So five different, uh, and, and that's including nutrition. So what have you found as far as people that are d- dealing with anxiety, depression, um, even issues with focus, how... What? Why are they dealing with, with those issues from a nutritional point of view? Oh, that's such a huge question. So I hardly know where to begin. Let me just think. And <laughs> you bring me back to the question if I don't answer parts of it. So what we have found is that um, we've done so many studies now, and now I'm using the royal we not to refer to just Julie and me, but to people around the world who study nutrition and brain function. And what we found is that every, why wouldn't it be this way? Every cognitive function improves if you improve nutrition. Not for every person. I mean, because we're complex. There's nothing more complex than human behavior. No study has found 100% of the participants improved but way better efficacy than psychiatric medication, for example, um, in people who have any number of emotional regulation problems. In fact, here, I'll give you a little summary statement because I don't want to put your audience to sleep, okay? If you were to look at 
all of the studies that have um, used micronutrients, meaning minerals and vitamins, in pill form, supplements, and there are more than 40 peer-reviewed ones now that use a broad-spectrum formula, the, there is a common theme. It doesn't matter if the people were in your study because they met criteria for ADHD or for bipolar disorder or what, no matter what category, they all seem to report better self-regulation of their moods. So what does that mean? Well, we've shown um, a couple of amazing um, case studies of people studied in ABA design showing that you can get rid of explosive rage, decrease irritability, including following head injury, which is a very common kind of post-trauma symptom, and um, regulate mood, meaning not getting as depressed, not getting as manic. So it's self-regulation of mood that we find across all diagnostic categories, across all ages, children and adults. Does that help you as a general finding? So I'll throw a theory at you that mm-hmm. just popped into my tiny little brain, my layman's brain. All of our brains are tiny, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure yours is, is no, much no, less no, no, tiny than mine. 2% of our body weight. Go ahead. <laughs> but So it's it occurs to me that the, the symptoms of PTSD are almost identical to the symptoms of methylene poisoning, which are almost identical to that of a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. So micro-concussions, macro-concussions. Now, with all these being very, very similar, and with nutrition providing a great deal of benefit to the, to, to the symptoms, it seems to me that the, any kind of brain injury, uh, neurological or kinetic, somehow blocks the brain's ability to absorb nutrients. Well, I don't think we have scientific proof of that. Um, or blocks the body's ability to create those nutrients or absorb those nutrients to feed the brain. Well, we don't create many at all, so you can drop that as part yeah. of the theory. But uh, to, 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 to digest to them and to distribute them. Maybe to digest and distribute them. Or possibly, when there's an injury, you need an unusually large amount of nutrients for to, the healing process to sense. go forward. I can't prove any of these ideas, and <laughs> it's nice to speculate with well, you. Well, see, that's the difference between the scientist, yeah. you, yeah. you know, and she is a legit scientist, everybody, just, just so you know. Um, just not some random person from YouTube, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Professor Emeritus at the U of C. Right. What does that even mean, by the way, Professor you know, Emeritus? Yeah, what it it means, sounds really cool. Yeah, it, does, <laughs> it means I have merit. <laughs> no, it's... Um, it's a universal term to use <clears throat> when a, a person retires, uh, and so the university is no longer paying their salary. They oh. go on pension, <laughs> but they are still wanting to maintain an affiliation with the university because they're continuing with scientific and academic endeavors. And, and when I was preparing to retire, I retired in 2016, when I was preparing to retire, I set myself two goals, and both of them, I think, have benefited from my being able to continue to use my academic affiliation. But one was what we're talking about today, and that is uh, knowledge translation, educating the public. I, I didn't write this book because I want to sell books. I wrote this book to educate the general public because we all must change mental health treatment. Well, I think it's a lot easier to educate the public than it is to educate psychiatrists in particular. Now, I said psychiatrists, not psychologists. I think psychiatrists, psychologists are probably an easier hill to climb. But the psychiatrists get zero nutritional training uh, through university, as do psychologists. All these PhDs, and maybe they did 15 minutes <laughs> uh, of all the years of schooling uh, talking about nutrition. So let's talk about the strongly held beliefs that are completely false when it comes to nutrition. And I'll start off with the big one. You don't need supplements. There's all you need from food. You know, just have a balanced diet and all your nutrition is right there. Yeah, that's I call that 1950s dietitian language. 
Um, and by the way, and I, although I sound critical of dietitians, I want to say that they're <laughs> my heroes. They have the hardest job in the world to change the way people eat. And <clears throat> there's a famous quotation from Margaret Mead, who was a um, sociologist, uh, social anthropologist, really, in the 1950s, one of the first female PhDs from Columbia, who had, she had a lot of pithy quotes, but using 1950s gender-specific language, she said, it's easier to change a man's religion than it is to way, to change the way he eats. And I think it's true. I we think it really, is true. We eat really habitually. Um, now, what was your question that led me there? Sorry, about dietitians. Right, so dietitians who say don't take supplements, this really, really hurt our province in what year were the Fort Mac fires, 2016? About that. About that. <clears throat> so Maybe a little bit sooner, I think, actually, because the floods were 13. 13, right, yeah, so maybe 15. So after the flood, we did a randomized controlled trial um, in, well, I did, and Julia in New Zealand was a collaborator on it. She had shown following earthquakes in New Jersey. Did I say New Jersey? New Zealand. <laughs> I have New Jersey on the brain <clears throat> because I have family there and I'm just planning a trip. Sorry. <laughs> Julia is in New Zealand. And um, they had terrible earthquakes in 2010 and 2011. And they had about 8,000 aftershocks in the intervening five months. So it was a terrified, nervous, anxious population. And she showed in randomized trials, more than one of them, that people who took um, additional supplemental minerals and vitamins uh, brought their depression, anxiety, and stress scale scores down to normal in four to six weeks in a normal range compared to people who did not take the micronutrients. So then the flood came along here in Alberta, and she called me up and said, oh, Bonnie, you've got to go talk to your mayor and get get him to do something about the nutrition of the people who are suffering from the flood. Now, we had a single event in a non-stressed population. I mean, we only had one flood, not 8,000 floods. So I thought, well, you know, first of all, he's not going to believe me. Then she said, let's do a study. And I thought, well, we're not going to find anything. And in fact, we completely replicated her results. And we had active comparators. We had three groups. People were randomized to one of three treatments. Those who took broad-spectrum micronutrients were down in four to six weeks in terms of their depression, anxiety, and stress, down into the normal range. But here's what one of the other groups was, and this is really interesting. One of the other groups was B-complex. Now, B-complex does not solve depression, anxiety, or stress in a clinical sample. People with clinically relevant levels of ongoing depression, anxiety, or stress. But in the general population, which is what was experiencing the flood, there is a body of literature from Europe and some other places that shows that B-complex improves resilience. So we had one of our groups, they were randomized to get B-complex, and they got just, they improved just as much as those who took a broad spectrum micronutrient formula. So all of that is by way of explaining what I did when the Fort Mac fires happened. I said, okay, now I'm going to go to the government and say, at least tell people to go to the store and just buy it. They're cheap, easy take a B-complex every morning after breakfast. That's all. Not hard to do, safe, completely non-toxic, etc. You conspiracy theorist. Exactly. Oh, my you tin goodness. You tinfoil hat wearing <laughs> conspiracy theorist. And- Thinking that micronutrients, in this case, B vitamins could, uh, yeah, right. Well, anyway, you can guess what happened. So, But you <laughs> might not know the final bit of the story, and I, so I want to tell you this. Um, so of course the mayor's office said, oh, we don't deal with this. So they sent me over to the emergency medical center and they said, oh, we don't deal with that. That's a medical thing. You have to go to Alberta health services. So I went to Alberta health services and they said, well, this is a mental health problem. You have to deal with psychiatry. So I went to psychiatry and it happened that I knew the head of the psychiatrist who was the head of things relevant to this kind of emergency intervention. So he treated me very respectfully, 
but said, we need to get the dietitian's advice. So here we had 90,000 people displaced, and the dietitians came back and said, we're writing up a brochure, and we'll put in the brochure, be sure to try to eat a balanced diet. Now, these are people who don't have their stoves anymore. They don't have a refrigerator anymore. anymore. Most of them were in places like the dormitories at the University of Calgary. Uh, We saw a lot of them there. So all they could do was walk to the nearest fast food place. And they would not let me mention, not let me put out any information about B-complex. And then about eight months later, the provincial government put out a graph showing what happened to depression and anxiety and all those people who were displaced from Fort McMurray. And it went up, up, up. I have the graph. And it just it just makes me so frustrated. Why Isn't, wouldn't they listen? Well, that's just it. And it's the um it's the old tropes. It's the old, old these old ways of of thinking. I've had a psychiatrist on this show. Yeah, saying that all you need, you don't need supplements. All you need is uh, a balanced diet. And it's just not true. So let's talk about... Let's talk about that, Let's talk about that part. So why is it that it is impossible to get all the nutrients that you want, um, that that you need, even if you are doing organic shopping and and everything else, why can't you get um, the required amount of uh, micronutrients from from our food anymore. Okay, so first of all, I want to say that for some people, what they can get from their food is enough. Some of us, and I, I am in this category myself, actually, Mark, <clears throat> I seem to have inherited a, a very solid emotional status, and I never can detect any kind of variability according to my diet. I eat a healthy diet because I believe in it, but... Um, you know, it's just I probably have inherited um, a need for just kind of an average amount of micronutrients for my brain pathways to work. <clears throat> now, many people have inherited more than the average need. We know this from physical health. We don't have proof yet in mental health, but we know that there are individual differences. You might have inherited the need for more magnesium than I have in order to make the brain pathways work that that manufacture serotonin and dopamine, etc. I might have inherited more zinc or vitamin B6 than you did. There are these individual differences, and we know that they exist, but there is no test for them yet, okay? But we know because of what we know about physical health. So for some people, just eating the way they're eating is just fine. But for people who've inherited the need for more micronutrients or who are just not getting enough from their food, they're the ones who are a big worry. Now, you want to know about the food supply. This is a huge worry. Thank goodness we have a lot of modern, forward-looking agricultural people looking at it, people in the regenerative movement who are trying to teach people no-till and, and, and cover crops and um, maintain, improving the microbiome of the soil using fertilizers that are bioactive, not just nitrogen. Um, these are people who are going to improve the health of the soil and then maybe it'll show up in our food. I wonder if your listeners know how we get our vitamins and minerals. Do you mind if I explain Oh, yeah, that? please. It, it kind of makes this um, understandable, okay? I think that I knew this before I looked you know, started hanging out with agriculture, food producers and all, but I hadn't thought about it. And that might be true of some of your audience. You and I cannot manufacture vitamins and minerals. The way it works is you have to have a healthy soil. And by definition, we don't have that healthy a soil in North America anymore, partly because of the herbicides and pesticides like glyphosate and partly just because we have not been respecting the soil and treating it properly. But if you have a really healthy soil, the soil has a microbiome. It's a very rich world of microorganisms which feed plants, etc. Then, if it's healthy, there will be about 15 minerals in the soil that a healthy crop will be able to absorb. 
And if that crop is treated well, it will be able to take those roughly 15 minerals and use them. Well, they use them for all kinds of things like photosynthesis, etc., of course, but they also use them to synthesize approximately 15 vitamins. We come along and we eat the crops, and in that situation, we will get roughly 30 vitamins and minerals. Or we eat the animals that have eaten the crops, like cattle. And again, that's the way we get roughly 15 vitamins and minerals. But you and I cannot manufacture any minerals, and we can only manufacture a few vitamins in our guts. And you know what? It's not even human cells that are doing that. It's healthy gut bugs. (laughs) They're smarter than we are. Our biome. Uh, The biome. The microbiome in the gut is magnificent, and it can synthesize a few. So what does all of this mean? Our brains need to have at least those 30 micronutrients, probably a lot of other things too, in order to manufacture the neurotransmitters, in order to make every metabolic pathway work. I wish that everybody knew what the word cofactor was. And so chapter two of our book, we have a little diagram and explain cofactors. And this is what's missing in most of our educational systems. When we eat, it's not just to build strong muscles and bones, which is what I learned as a kid. And I respect muscles and bones. Fine. We all want healthy ones. But we are mostly eating to feed our brains the cofactors, which is what vitamins and minerals do, which enable enzymatic reactions to happen. Everybody knows what an enzyme is. It's what what makes pathways work. But those enzymes are dependent upon cofactors, which are the minerals and vitamins. Can we break it down uh Laypersons-wise. Yeah, please. So, what did I use that was jargon? So, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but just to, if I got a gift, it's boiling things down. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so boiling it down, our brain is a hungry, hungry hippo. The greediest organ we have. Super greedy, hungry hippo is our brain. And when our brain comes under stress. It needs more. It needs more. And so if your brain is normally pretty healthy, based on the on your on the diet that you have when a big stressor comes on there's a chance that your brain is no longer as healthy as it could be which is why we need supplements right that's one situation absolutely stress so uh, and you and I have talked about this but it seems to me that for veterans and first responders yep. that it should be mandatory for the sake of resilience and to um, have less PTSD for everybody to be on a broad spectrum micronutrients, on the right ones, not something just from Costco, you know, on something that you would recommend. And if we, when we look at soldiers in the field, living off of box lunches, MREs, you know, uh, boil, in, boil in a bag, uh, in an aluminum bag. Um, it, it's amazing that we're not all dead from cancer by the age of 40. But um, it, it's not, I mean, it's calories. It's only calories. And there's still psychiatrists to this day that say all you need is calories. That's, that, that's it. You know, it's calories in, calories out, and that's all the food and energy that you need. It's that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, even a big dumb dumb like me knows that, <laughs> but uh, some of these big talking heads they don't know that. Um, so because you don't have access to even half decent food, it's all factory food uh, with a shelf life. Oh, <laughs> the same years. shelf life as plastic. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, after our civilization falls, archaeologists will be finding our MREs. Um. <laughs> If in all those MREs, there was broad-spectrum micronutrients, and it was SOP, like you have these, standard operating procedure. It's a, it's a standing order. You're mm-hmm. going to have these mm-hmm. um, uh, micronutrients. Even with the flying kitchens that we use, which is uh, portable kitchens. They call them flying because they kick them out of, uh, of, out of aircraft and they parachute down sometimes. So even with the flying kitchens where, you, where it's kind of real food, uh, depending on who your cook is, Still, you're in a trauma-rich environment, therefore you should have a nutrient-rich uh, 
supplements. Absolutely agree. And, and, you know, I've, I've thought of many studies I would love to do uh, amongst the military and I've approached both the Canadian military and the U S and they're not interested. Uh, but there are so many, and I've been on a couple of military broadcasts, actually, I should tell you about, but, um, they want to do the research, but the, the people who want to do it don't seem to have the power. But I think that there would be greater resilience. I mean, why wouldn't there be? The frustrating thing for me and is the bureaucratic mind. Yeah. The mind of a bureaucrat don't work so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, Let's give them micronutrients. Let's give them some micronutrients. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the frustration is it can't hurt you. Right. So if it can't hurt you, why wouldn't you just try? Exactly. Why wouldn't you take a company uh, um, of of infantry mm-hmm. and just that one com- company for two years takes these broad spectrum nutrients and just keep some metrics, mm-hmm. simple dimple. Mm-hmm. Why not? Easy peasy. Just do it. Good. And um, let's do it. Find somebody. Well, I think <laughs> the the bigger the bureaucracy, the taller the hill to climb. Yeah. So I would suggest that the NPF uh, is a much better place to start. That's the union for RCMP. It's one of the biggest unions in the country, um, one of the largest law enforcement unions in the world. But there's less bureaucracy taking those angles. So, uh, and actually, I, I think that's one I've suggested to you before. But the National Police Federation yeah. is uh, probably a great place. Or um, any of the, the smaller unions where um, the, the people paying their dues are in a trauma-rich environment for Calgary Police or any of those. Yeah, you're talking about a bureaucratic environment, though. I mean, I'm just saying the smaller the bureaucracy, yeah. the easier it is to penetrate to it. To do it, yeah. You know, one of the things that we need is more scientists who are willing to do these studies because most of the bureaucrats can't run this kind of study. Um, and I've been trying to foster more scientists, you know, for. Your quite best a few bet years. for militaries is the Israelis. Interesting point. So the Israelis, they are more open minded, less bureaucratic because they have to be nimble because they're always in conflict. Mm hmm. So uh, they are quicker to make decisions and they're just a smarter military because they have been at conflict for flipping ever. Mm -hmm. So they're more nimble. And uh, that would be where, as far as I can think of, the the easiest place to start. Mm -hmm. They'd be most open to it. Because the bottom line is um, OSIs are honking expensive. I'm on a pension for life because of one. And that's not rare. We don't like talking about it because people don't like, you know, because of the stigma that comes with uh, receiving a medical pension. But um, it's true. There's a pile of us, mm-hmm. and that ain't cheap. No. Just imagine if you could have prevented this back in 1994 when I was in a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would have made quite a difference. We don't have, uh, it's very hard to point to enough data to show the value of micronutrients for treating head injuries. Um, and usually you can only, even the, the anecdotes I have are one lengthy case study that I published, uh, 12 months of data collection, are individual cases. So um, sometimes logic is not enough. We need more data to convince them. But maybe the IDF would be the place to begin. I did approach, actually, a group of them once who were visiting Calgary, um, but I, it didn't go anywhere. We'll talk about it off-air, maybe. No, for sure. I mean, you got to pick one and, 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 and ride that horse to completion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, IDF is a good place to start. And if I can think of another military, that might be um, an easier nut to crack uh, certainly, I'll, I'll I'll bring that to you. Okay. Because I I I'm such a believer. I'm such a fan of of your work, and it's so frustrating all the ridiculous resistance to. And let's talk about that resistance. Why sure. that is? Sure. Um, since the COVID p- pandemic, I think there's been a more suspicion than ever before of the nefarious big pharma. 
Um, but that is not a conspiracy theory that they like to shut things down that are a threat to them, a threat to their profit line. Mm-hmm. That is just a fact. So let's start at the beginning. What, what was your first experience with being shut down by the gatekeepers that are trying to protect the profits of big pharma? Hmm. March of 2001, I think. That's very specific. Yeah. I was in utter shock that the placebo-controlled randomized trial in adults with bipolar disorder that I had received quite a lot of money from the province to conduct um, was being stopped in its tracks by Health Canada. Oh, my God. So Health Canada itself. Oh, yeah. Um now, you won't say the words, but I will, mm-hmm. is corrupt. I won't say that. No, you won't, but, but I just did. You just say whatever I'm allowed to want. say whatever the hell That's I want. That's right. It is, um, you know, uh, I, I sometimes I hate to go back to those years. I, you know, they really truncated my career. I had to take all my graduate students off of anything remotely involving nutrition. We had to, the director general wrote me, and required, I would have gone to jail if I resisted, just said you have to stop the study and you have to return all the patients to their psychiatrists for medication. Now, what was the threat to the people that were taking nutrients? The threat? Yeah, there had to have been a threat, right? Oh, yeah, the threat. Because <laughs> they, they were about to die yeah, right. because of vitamin C. It was about to kill them, shut down their livers. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Anyway, I, I hope your audience knows that's ridiculous. Um the threat was that they might not take their psychiatric medications anymore. We still we still are haunted by this, um, that the company, the first company that was formed and that developed the broad spectrum approach is called True Hope, and many of your audience will have heard of them. And True Hope, um, they, I mean, they were raided by the RCMP as a result of this um, and had all of their hard drives removed, etc. So they went through a lot. And um, they, there was a warning out, and people still dig this up off the internet. So True Hope, let's just back up and explore this for a moment here. Oh, okay. So True Hope got swatted right, because of nutrients. Oh, yeah, because they were going to hurt people who were um, going to maybe stop taking their psychiatric medication and take nutrients instead. And so there was a Health Canada warning on the internet, and it was cited for years, and it was just brought up to me again recently, so it's still somewhere out there in cyberspace. And the warning is, um, there's a danger in taking this particular formula. At that time, there was only the one in Power Plus from True Hope. Um, there's a, uh, and what was the warning? I mean, they put out danger, right? You know, if there's a harmful product out there, we want Health Canada t- to tell us. And they list the harm. And the harm in this case was people might not want to take their medication. So, and yes, I mean, there are knowledgeable integrative psychiatrists use micronutrients now routinely to decrease the medication load because a healthier brain, you you know, you might still need some medication. You'll never hear me be totally anti-psychiatric medication, by the way. I know people benefit from them. And well, it's, a, it's meant to be a Band-Aid. Whatever. For some people, yeah. it's a very good Band-Aid. For others, it doesn't work. <clears throat> but for the people whom it helps, or the parents who put their children on something in desperation, I don't want anyone to feel guilty about that. But the reality is that when your brain is healthier, you can get along on less medication. I just heard of a case, uh, one of the integrative psychiatrists was telling me, of a child who had done really, really well on broad-spectrum micronutrients, and But when the school term started and they had to get off Zoom and go back in the school, the challenges to attention were so great, they put them on a very tiny amount of a stimulant medication to help their focus. That tiny amount would never have been enough, you know, without the the micronutrients on board. So isn't it better to make your brain healthy first? Let's just pause for a moment. When we... I can't just go past this part okay? because when the profits of big pharma were threatened, because that's the bottom line, mm-hmm. there, of course there's no actual threat to people taking 
vitamins and minerals. There's no threat to them whatsoever. The only threat, and it was the stated threat, was that people might not take uh, their their psych meds. Translation, people might um, walk away from big pharma and look for alternatives to big pharma. So when the profits of big pharma were threatened, Health Canada intervened, and the RCMP, armed, kicked down doors, confiscated private property to protect the profits of big pharma, Mm -hmm. which means that by proxy, big pharma has its own army. Oh, I think you're going a little too far there, Mark. Am I, though? Yeah. By proxy, that's what it is, though. Well. Because, sure, there's steps up, there's, there's a chain there, but Health Canada stepped in and said, no, 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 and the RCP kicked indoors. At the end of that chain is, is the interests of Big Pharma. That so, is true. So it's, it, not, it's not like a Big Pharma could pick up the phone and go, hey, Commissioner of the RCMP, uh, go kick open these doors. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Thanks for clarifying It's, it's not what I'm saying at all. But by proxy, their interests are still being protected by a paramilitary force. Yes, in that particular event. And by the way, I don't know if they kicked down the doors. I have never heard that. Right, but they certainly <laughs> did raid the place. So Yeah, the place was raided yeah, by, how- by armed men. Yeah. Documents, private taken, property, right. hard drives, all taken because of vitamins and minerals that anybody can buy at Costco. Um, actually, let's talk about that for a moment. Okay, let's talk about the good stuff. Versus Costco. Versus uh, Costco <laughs> or Shoppers Drug Mart. <clears throat> right, it's not specific to Costco, but I do get asked this question a lot, and I think it's uh, it's really worth chatting about. Um People usually ask me the question as, um, I take a multivitamin mineral formula that I get at such and such drugstore or whatever. Um, is that a bad thing? And I always say, no, it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with taking these formulas. But you cannot expect a therapeutic benefit for your brain um, or of such minimal amount you won't detect it. I have never heard even an anecdote from someone who had a mood or an anxiety disorder or ADHD who said, oh, I took this over-the-counter formula and it helped, okay? Never even heard of it, and there's no scientific data to support it at all. So then you have to ask, well, what's wrong with them compared to the ones that have shown benefit? The difference is in two areas, one is the dose, and the other is in the breadth. Maybe I should talk about those in, in the yeah, reverse please. order. The breadth is, you know, 20 years ago, um, a one-a-day type of vitamin was really just vitamins, maybe one or two minerals, tiny amounts. With time, they've been adding more and more minerals to those formulas, which is great because it's a lot of the minerals that we're really deficient in, and that's been showing up in the crops, you know. So our produce doesn't have enough vitamins and minerals, so anything that you take, you know, is kind of worth it, and the broader the formula, the better. But you won't find any of them with 15 vitamins and 15 minerals, mostly because they can't fit it all in one pill. And so the formulas that we've been studying, by and large, people have to take 8 to 12 capsules a day for a therapeutic benefit of a significant mental health problem. And for people who think that sounds like a scary amount, um, let me tell you that even children do it in our studies. And um, we have we learned a new way to teach pill swallowing. For any of you out there who want to know about that, I'm sure we'll provide my website at the end of this discussion. You can watch the training video there. But the way to think about it is, if you minerals are small molecules, you can put a lot of in, minerals into a single pill. But um, did I say minerals? I meant vitamins in a single pill. Okay. But minerals. Think of the Rocky Mountains. Think about rocks. Women out there, if you're listening, think about the size of your calcium pill, and that's one of fifteen minerals. So that is why. You, you, there's a lot of bulk to most formulas that have a lot of minerals and vitamins. Um, so the breadth is something that we think is really important. It is a shotgun, 
and it's a shotgun because there's no test. I have no way of determining what your brain needs in the way of each one of those nutrients. I can look at your peripheral blood and see what's circulating peripherally, but I cannot tell what your brain needs for optimum function. Sorry about that. I do have a frog. So um, that's the, the breath, but the dose is something else. You might not realize it, but the RDA was set by the military after World War, or during or after World War II, as the amount that was needed for um, soldiers basically not to get scurvy and to have the strength to march. There are those muscles and bones again. Nothing about the RDA, the recommended dietary allowance, or the daily intake, daily value, nothing relates to your brain. And your brain is your greediest organ. Well, not, not all of us use one. Like I, I, I don't use my brain really? much, much, much at all. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's a few people on my list where I'm not entirely sure they have one at all. I, oh. think, I think they're just kind of moving off glands or just moving their arms and legs. Could be. Could so be. <laughs> anyway, I'll just say one more thing about the dose, and that is if the RDA is so low... Will it shock you if I tell you that the -the over-the-counter formulas are usually at about 20 to 25% of the RDA? And so they are trivial amounts, whereas the formulas that have been studied by independent scientists like myself that have shown benefit for mental health are all well above the RDA, but they're below the toxic levels. They're below the, they're called tolerable upper levels, okay? So they're in the safe zone. And so... The RDA is really not relevant to mental health. Okay, so where do we get the good stuff? If you're looking to um, treat, really, to try to change a mental health problem, if you're not on medication, then you can just go to one of two websites I'll give you in a moment. Um, And I'm not affiliated with these two companies, but their formulas are the most studied in the world. Um, if, however, you're on a medication, I urge you to go to their websites and then phone the companies, one or both of them, talk to them about the medications you're on and determine how you would do a cross titration or how you would combine the medication or whatever. Because people who don't do that can get into trouble because as your brain gets healthier, and sometimes it can be in just a matter of days, a few days, What used to be an appropriate dose of a medication will become an overdose. And so you can, it's not that the nutrients are hurting you, but the overdose of medication can be very uncomfortable or difficult. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and that's, uh, so just to to boil that one down, when you're taking the broad spectrum micronutrients, your uptake of other drugs increases. So the efficacy of those drugs increase. Um, Including cannabis, I I think your cannabinoid receptors uh, are more active when you have, um, when you're taking broad spectrum micronutrients. Well, now there's a study that should be done. I don't know the data on that. It would be very interesting to find out. It would be interesting to find out. For sure. So, um, but we still haven't said the name of the two places. Oh, yeah. So I'll tell you the two places. I'm always criticized unfairly as promoting these two companies or their products. And just so you know, um, none of the research and none of the researchers is commercially affiliated with either one of them. So the original company was True Hope and still exists, truehope.com. And they have some really interesting innovations coming out for different vehicles um, for carrying the multinutrients. So truehope.com, just the way it sounds. And then that company was formed by two men, Tony Stefan and David Hardy. And when they split up after working together for about 15 years, um, David and his family named their new company Hardy Nutritionals. So it's H-A-R-D-Y nutritionals.com. And make sure you you make it plural, the nutritionals, because when I was looking for it, if you don't put that S on the end, you don't find it. You find other stuff. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so out of these two companies, they're the ones that got the good stuff that'll actually work. But you can't just go to Costco and or 
superstore or, or anywhere and and expect to have doses that and it's not just the dose right it's the broad the broad spectrum multi multi-nutrient part of it it uh, uh your intake of that is just it's just different that's right but you know what we jumped right to supplements may i say something about diet no please okay <laughs> okay Food first, Mark. It's really important. Don't stare at an apple and say, oh, it probably doesn't have as many nutrients as it did 50 years ago. Which is still true, right? It is probably true. But you know what? It's got more nutrients than a bag of chips. So eat two of them. That's not true. (laughs) Baked Lay's are delicious, especially the cheese ones. No, I no, no. You've got to make better choices. There, I'll tell you the most terrifying data that I have seen came out in um, just about four months ago from the U.S., but it's comparable in Canada. It's just that this is newer data. It's comparable in the U.K. And what it all of them show is that more than half of the food that our children, more than half of the calories that they are ingesting. Um, have any kind of micronutrients at all. They are, I mean, they're all ultra-processed products. They're chemicals. They're, they're bags and boxes. And um, if you read labels, you'll recognize, recognize that when you buy these ultra-processed products, I won't call them foods, because foods are what we consume to build and maintain ourselves. And th- these things don't do that at all. Um, more than half of what what is going into their mouths is not feeding their brain. So what are we doing to a whole multiple generations of children? And by the way, adults aren't much better. They're still over 50% on ultra processed. It's just that kids are at 67%. They have cut out two thirds of the micronutrients that they could be consuming to feed their brains. I find that really, really scary. It's no wonder that we have 20% of our, at any given point in time, according to the World Health Organization, 20% of our population has a diagnosed mental disorder. And lifetime prevalence is 50%. Do you know what it was when I was a child? A lot less. Less than 1%. Oh my gosh. And I'm not that ancient. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems to me that a, a big chunk of this, our global population is almost at 8 billion. So to to deal with that, and also for corporate interests of uh, big food, we are finding new ways all the time to get more food out of less land. And to get more food out of less land, the glycophosphates and whatnot, but the short-sightedness of that is that it's killing our soil. Yes. So our soil does not any longer have the nutrients it once did if the if it's not in the soil it's not in the food exactly and which is why we need broad spectrum multinutrients because it just isn't in the soil it isn't in the food like it used to be it's not in the fruits it's not in the vegetables it's not in the grains at to the same degree that it used to be is that are we still correct, uh, we're, we're correct? still in, yes or, or exactly. my or my veering off course no here? i just think i don't like your comparator there is still more in that produce than in your bag of chips well oh, so. <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying otherwise i know you're not i'm but, just but joking. um but but it is less it is less it it's still, been, still the best way to go, and if you're to grow it in your backyard, it's the best with manure right. instead of glycophosphates. That's the best way, and uh, so to that, the 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 negative feedback loop, the death spiral, comes back to our soil. It does. Everything is everything. A nation's health is in the soil. Sad guru is. Uh, very popular guru kind of guy, um, but he's his biggest issue for the planet isn't uh, isn't spirituality, mm-hmm. which is his whole shtick. But it's the soil, yes. Because when the soil's gone, we're gone. Mm-hmm. the The greatest gift that um, we have on this earth that supports our survival is soil that can produce food. Mm-hmm. But with uh, people at nearly eight billion. And the soil dying, those are two um, interests that are not good because we need more soil, not less. We need um, healthier soil, 
not less healthy soil. And we are in a very dangerous negative feedback loop right now. I agree. And it's not even that the soil is dying on its own. We're killing it yeah, we're with killing factory it. farming and, and chemicals. Yeah, but there are a lot of good people working on this. And really, even there, I, I recently went to a, out on a farm and watched a, um, a, a brother-sister pair from southern B.C., who are um, have invented uh, an easy way to improve microbiome of the soil using tractors, using a um, fermented kind of, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to describe it, a fermented kind of sauce <laughs> that they squirt out onto the soil, which helps build the microorganisms in the soil. And the healthier the soil, the more resistant the plants will be to the pests, the pests that we're always trying to kill with chemicals. I've read that 75% of the insect population of the world has collapsed. I was just going to say, if, uh, if you want a test of what is good soil and what is not, uh, dig out a couple of shovelfuls and see if there's any earthworms. Yes. If there aren't any earthworms, that's not healthy soil. No, that's very interesting you brought that up because my, my husband's an avid gardener and <laughs> um, he's been putting fish fertilizer on our soil. And I was weeding for the first time, you know, the weather's just getting good enough, uh, last couple of days and there are earthworms. And it made me realize that last summer, I don't remember seeing any when I was digging just in the vegetable garden area. So yes, we can bring these creatures back that are good for the soil, but it has to be very intentional. And of course we have an organic garden. So, I mean, we don't use any of the chemicals. The success of your book has been spectacular. And again, back to the beginning of our conversation, really rare. Mm. Just so you never take it for granted, (laughs) sister. Um, It is extraordinarily rare. Everybody thinks, oh, I'll just write a book and I'll be famous. Mm. And there's nothing in between. Mm. It's like, nope, that's not how it works. Not even a little bit. But um, you have, I have hope because of the success you've had with your book. You've been on dozens of, of radio shows and TV shows. What are some of the big things that are coming up uh, for you right now? Well, this week, oh, well, this afternoon I'm on uh, uh, a Boston TV show. It's been very hard to get on to the American TV and radio. Um, and then this week I'm very excited because I uh, won an award this year for being old. Okay, <laughs> it's called the Seven Over Seventy Award in Calgary. Okay, I don't know if you've heard of it. You know they're always doing these forty under forty and yeah. thirty under thirty. So uh, a number of years ago, <clears throat> I guess a bunch of seniors said, "You know, we have a lot of seniors doing interesting things. So let's have a Seven Over Seventy Award." And the awards dinner is on Thursday, and um, that's kind of cool to be recognized for doing new things after I turn seventy. Oh, I'm 75. I don't know if I'll, if there will be an over 80 thing or not. <laughs> a lot of other things that are coming up, though, really are um, podcasts and interviews and uh, like this, um, radio and some TV. But you know what's not coming up is I'm not hearing back from all the policymakers that I write. You wouldn't believe how many letters and free books I've sent out. Inventures is coming up on June 1st, which is a, a tech huge tech meeting in Calgary. And I'm speaking there, and I have 75 free books to give out if anyone is listening, you know, and I'll be signing afterwards, but it's mostly techies. Um, but the policymakers don't, you knock on their door forever, and they just don't hear you. They're tough. I had Aaron O'Toole on the show, which was awesome. Right. And uh, I think we're buddies now. He's a really nice guy. Good, good. He's, he's a really nice guy. And I think he did uh, a great job of uh, Veterans Affairs. But I'm going to send this episode to him. Oh. Uh, he is a listener, so uh, maybe he's listening right now. I don't know. Okay. But he is a listener, and uh, and he is very interested in this space. And... If there's a simple uh, solution or at least a help, like a tool in the tool belt, you yeah. know, and I think that's one of the barriers is like, like we're not calling it a full out solution. Maybe it is. It probably is. But let's just call it what, um, a tool in the tool belt that's safe to implement 
there there is no logical barrier to implement this tomorrow right. for the entire for every first response everybody in a trauma rich environment mm-hmm. every first responder every soldier uh, get the better brain book and uh, include this in, into your your daily routine go to hearty nutritionals or to true hope and um it's not going to hurt you. <laughs> That's right. It's not going to hurt. We have lots and lots of data on safety, and there's never been an adverse, a significant adverse event. Um, let me tell you my philosophy. <clears throat> I, I don't know, maybe we need a wrap-up thing. This might be the kind of wrap-up. I've been thinking a lot about it lately. I think you think about trauma environments, of course. I think about mental health clinics a bit more. That's more within my area of experience. And I I don't understand why a mental health clinic would not first, when they get every referral, should be taught about nutrition, how what what we eat feeds our brain, and what they can do to provide a better foundation for resilience and coping. At any rate, I was thinking about this lately about in terms of medical care in general. If you break a bone or if you have a chronic condition, asthma, whatever, and you seek medical care, when you go for that medical care, in North America anyway, we assume that what we will present be presented with in the way of treatment reflects the entire evidence base of what is known for the best treatment for that condition, unless it's something in your brain. If it's something in your brain... It is, you will not be given the whole evidence base. You won't be taught anything about nutrition. You won't be taught about exercise, meditation, yoga, etc. usually. You won't be taught about nutrition preventing dementia or reversing dementia. You will be taught, you, your treatment will be based on the pharmaceutical evidence base. Why do we accept that for the brain and for nothing else? Why do we accept that Everything should be based on drugs, you know, but only for the brain. We require all of the evidence, and that's the frustration that really led us to write that book, is we thought, okay, the physicians, the policymakers, they're not going to listen to all of this really excellent evidence. Let's educate the public. And so that's why I, I always say I'm not really keen. It's, I'm not motivated to sell books. I just want to educate people, and I just want to change the world of mental health treatment. Well, I would reword that. Mm-hmm. I would say you just want to help people. Right. Because that's really what it is. That's right. You just want to help people. Save lives, relieve pain. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it does. If you have relief from depression, relief from anxiety, guess what goes down? The suicide rate. Mm-hmm. You know, quality of life index. Um, if you don't have that, what do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have your physical and mental health, what do you think Steve Jobs, of the, who died at 54, you know, how many billions would he have paid to be healthy for another couple of years? Right. It's all you have is your physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. And, um, to keep that going, if you're going to invest in yourself, you know, it's not going to hurt you to go on six months or a year of uh, hearty nutritionals or true hope and just give it a whirl. Why not? It ain't going to hurt you. And who knows? Maybe you'll be um, enjoying it just like the science says that you're going to be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the science has been done. There's, you've done it, you know. Uh, you've got the numbers, you've got the studies, um, it's not going to hurt you, it's very likely to help you, so why not give it a whirl? Right. <clears throat> Doesn't, it's, there's no magic out there, so there's no one thing that's going to help everyone. Um, but I really urge people to improve their diet. We have a chapter of recipes for that reason. Um, even though Julie and I have studied only micronutrients in pill form, we always say it's a proof of principle. For some people, they can do enough by improving their diets that they really, really feel better. Um, but then if you don't, look at other things, including sub- these supplements, broad-spectrum ones, including exercise, yoga, meditation, breathing, 
There are a lot of things out there which are not pharmaceutical. And there is a place for medication for some people, but it should be at the end of that line. Not the first thing, especially for children. It just it just kills me that we slap medication on kids right away. Yeah, uh, the meds do save lives if used properly and not right. if you don't become dependent on it forever. Because mm. there's a difference between coping and healing. Mm. Coping is, ow, it hurts, I'm going to take uh, an aspirin. Oh, now it doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, it hurts again, so I need more aspirin. The aspirin is coping, uh-huh. right? Healing is finding out why does it keep hurting? Well, maybe I need a chiropractic adjustment or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or change my damn diet, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm allergic to something that I've got to eliminate from my diet. Mm-hmm. But that is the healing part because now you're actually fixed. When you are healed, you don't need to cope. Uh, and that's where I put uh, cannabis in for uh, as the category of coping. It's a good Band-Aid for a lot of things, but it ain't healing. Mm. You've got to figure out what's going on, that your body is hanging on to that trauma, get it fixed, and then you don't have to cope anymore because you're good. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And a big part of that is uh, <laughs> it's, it's just so basic. You know, your brain is a hungry hippo, feed it, mm-hmm. the end, because we're not feeding our brains. No, I didn't throw these numbers out before, but you probably know them. Our brains are only about 2% of our body weight, but they are absorbing at least 20% of the nutrients that go into our body and during stressful times as high as 50%. I love that you give me more credit than I deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie, uh, we're at about an hour five. Okay. I think we're there. Are we missing anything? Oh, sure. <laughs> anything in the book? Yeah, get it's the lots. book. Get the book. The best-selling book, The Better Brain, and uh, just get the damn book, would you? Yeah. Get the damn the damn book and and help Bonnie help you. Oh, nice way to think of it. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Appreciate you being in, in person, and uh, great to meet you properly this time. That's right. And Aaron, if you're listening. Dude, let's get on it. Let's get the uh, uh, the minister on here, who that that's on the list, by the way, and the veterans ombudsman. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.